Before we actually quit our jobs, we created a philosophy that we've kept, which is that, you know, we hire and nurture the best people. We take different disciplines and synergistically combine them, that we do everything with a sense of integrity. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Joining me today is Eric Miller, co-owner and principal of PADT, a provider of tools and services to companies designing and manufacturing physical products. Eric's often called upon to write and speak on simulation, design, 3T printing, tech startups, and the high-tech sector. He is also a host of his own podcast called All Things ANSYS. For those of you who are not engineers, that probably won't mean anything, but if you are an engineer, that'll be really cool. Eric's also a frequent interviewer and and panel moderator. He is currently chair of the Arizona Technology Council Board of Directors, a member of the Arizona Technology Investors Screening Committee, and several advisory boards. He also serves as an entrepreneur in residence at the Arizona Commerce Authority and mentors through multiple startup incubators, including Chandler Innovations and the Clean Tech Open. He regularly contributes to the Phoenix Business Journal. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So tell me what the biggest problem is that you are solving for your clients. The biggest problem that we're solving for our clients is really how to overcome. um, Our our business is really about helping them overcome their technical challenges. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, And sometimes that's not a technical answer. Right. Sometimes it's a it's a process, sometimes it's a people answer, but it's really about they want to get from point A to point B, and there's a giant technical mountain in between, mm-hmm. and how do we help them go over, go through, go around that mountain? How do they know they need you? I mean, when, when you and I first talked, you know, you, you said that you sell to mechanical engineers and they hate being sold to, they won't fill out forms, and yep. they don't know that they need you. It's fun. How do you get around that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, fun is a sharp stick in the eye, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, the, the answer is simple. Trust. Yeah. How do you build trust is right. the hard part, right? Of course. Um, so, so like the ANSYS podcast, a great example. Um, right. If, if you're in the world of mechanical engineering, you know that ANSYS is the dominant simulation product out there. The fact that our company is a, is a plat, or a, uh, certified partner of ANSYS mm-hmm. and that we create a massive amount of content out there for ANSYS users is a great example of how we build that trust, right? We partner with the expert in the, in, the, the leader mm-hmm. in the industry. Uh, we become a trusted advisor about that yeah. tool. Yeah. From a technical level, not mm-hmm. from a marketing level. In fact, a lot of people will ignore the marketing fluff that gets created and go straight to our content uh, because that's the kind of audience we have uh-huh. and and build that trust. I mean, you got to be right. You got to be honest. You got to be constant mm-hmm. in your messaging. And then when they do need you, um, they find you because mm-hmm. you're ranking relatively high out there on the interweb, right? Because, because your people are 
referencing your content. Mm -hmm. And then um, they click on it, they learn about you, um, and that message is reinforced in our other marketing material. And then they they call you uh, reluctantly and usually holding their breath when they do so. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You founded the company long, long ago in 1994. Yep. Tell me a little bit about the genesis of the company, Eric. Um, You know, I think it's a fairly common story for a group of engineers working in a large corporation, which is a great experience from a learning standpoint. Mm -hmm. I mean, I worked for a turbine engine company, which Mm -hmm. in the world of mechanical engineering is kind of where you learn the most, the most quickly. Um, And then um, not being happy in that environment, right? It was not the right business environment for us. It was not not the right cultural fit, even though it was the right technical fit. Right. And saying, wow, we're we're out there on the leading edge with these three key technologies that that were kind of new at the time in the mm-hmm. in the in the 90s. Mm-hmm. What if we built a company around those three technologies? And instead of only using them for this high-end aerospace, what if we built a company that said to the whole industry, whether you're making a toy or a rocket engine, these three key technologies are applicable and let us help you utilize and leverage those. And that was kind of the genesis. Um, what was the motivation was massive layoffs in the 90s in aerospace. Yeah. Um, and you, and, were with, you were with Honeywell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were mm-hmm. the, what, what, what is now Honeywell was Allied Signal at the time. Um, and that whole Jack Welsh mentality that engineers, in fact, we actually got a memo that said engineers are a fungible asset. No, I had to look up what fungible meant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that it meant you're replaceable. Yeah. You're not special. Yeah. And, and that that really resonated with us yeah. in a negative way. Yeah. Um, Me too, by and, the way. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've never <laughs> been a know. fan of that Jack Welch, get rid of the, you know, yeah. the bottom 10% every yeah. year. I just, I, it's just, you know, there's no, you, 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 there's, you know, that's a symptom of your problem. Yes. Right. Okay. And, and, yeah. you know, but yeah, go on. Yeah. It, 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 it's, I think it's proven wrong over time, yeah. but it, but at, during the day it was really popular. So sure. anyway, we, at the time were able to control our own destiny. We were, we were in kind of a protected area that, uh, from it because we were, you know, creating methods and, and, mm-hmm. and, and processes for right. the rest of the company. Um, and we decided we're going to, we're going to go ahead and take this plunge and yeah, 28 years ago. In fact, October, uh, was my 28th anniversary from leaving Allied Signal mm-hmm. and, um, joining uh, and forming PADT. But how did, so you've talked about the genesis, like where did this idea come from? Like, did it just dawn on you that this is something that companies, that these mechanical engineers need because that was what you were? I think we saw examples. So it it was kind of a, there were a lot of subcontractors at the time that were making a lot more money than we were. Mm -hmm. And then there were consulting companies. So we, we worked with other value added resellers. So, in, in that we were in a methods, in the genesis is, it's it's foggy in my mind, but it's coming back. So we worked with these value-added resellers. Mm-hmm. We we were the people that were evaluating, picking out software and right. hardware. Right, yep. And so we worked with these value-added resellers and thought, we can do that. We're better than them. We worked with these consultants and said, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, we want to do that. You know, we, we totally misjudged what it took to run a business like that and what the challenges and yeah. the joys were completely wrong. Uncommon. But we romanticized it uh, and, and arrogantly thought we could do better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the impetus was the example of these other folks, uh, a few generations older than us, uh, who got in kind of the ground floor in this whole world of engineering tools 
and uh, kind of followed their example mm-hmm. and built on their successes. And um, now here we are today. We're that older generation and right. hopefully younger folks are doing the same. Yeah. Uh, you bootstrapped the company, correct? Uh, we had friends and family funding. Okay. Uh, yeah, a little bit to keep the lights on. Um, but yeah, we we definitely lived off our savings for a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long did it take from founding in 94 till you actually started making some money? So um, we got customers fairly fast, um, but not enough to make to pay the bills. Sure. Um, it, it was probably about a year before the revenue started. So before bad. we could pay ourselves. It yeah. was about a year before we could pay ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and um yeah, it was, yeah, about a year. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. good. And and that we had the advantage of being fairly plugged in to the ecosystem. Um, and other people leaving what's now Honeywell, going off and working other places mm-hmm. and using those connections as well to get yeah. business. Very smart. So uh, you have a bachelor's in mechanical engineering from Berkeley. Uh-huh. Um, started uh, in computer-aided engineering. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, for turbine, uh, the turbine components, um, you know, and then you founded a company in 1994, as soon as you left there and realized there was a lot you didn't know and started to sort of pursue it graphic design, 3d printing, database program, HR, small business management. Tell me about that journey Uh of realizing you didn't know enough to be a, a founder or to be a, to be a successful founder, maybe. Yeah, it's a really good point. Cause, cause you know, now, as you said in the bio, I'm really involved in the whole uh, ecosystem of mm-hmm. supporting. Sure. There was nothing like that. Yeah. Right. No, and not, back in the day back we then. had the, uh, this uh, SBA had some retired bankers that you could go talk to, um, <laughs> but that was about it. Right. Yeah. And, and they were actually helpful on the finance side, mm-hmm. very helpful on the finance side, but that was about it. Right. We, the whole idea of startups didn't exist yet. Yeah. Um, and well, so, um, yeah, I mean, it really wasn't, it was startups were there. They just, they, they just didn't have the support they have now. Yeah. It wasn't that it wasn't the thing, right? Yeah. It, it wasn't an ecosystem. That's maybe a better right. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was kind of on their own. It was really about hanging your own shingle, yeah. uh, what yeah. we were doing. And, um, I'm lucky enough to have had partners, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we came to the, the, we got the slap in the face at the same time and just kind of started doing different things. One of my partners really went after building relationships and building the sales side. Mm-hmm. Um, another one really focused on building that expertise in the marketplace and mm-hmm. the reputational marketplace. And so there was a lot of stuff from an operation standpoint mm-hmm. that just wasn't getting done. And ironically, the things that as engineers sitting in our cubicles made fun of, right? HR is stupid. They don't know. They don't understand, you know, these bean counters. They, they're ruining the company. Um, IT never, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They can't fix my computer. They don't understand my question. Well, when you're putting on all those hats, you get a little bit of sympathy for those folks and you realize yeah. there's reasons why uh, they are the way they are. There's reasons why they struggle with some things. Uh, a lot of the reality comes uh, mm-hmm. becomes uh, apparent. And so uh, did, it was, the internet was there, but still kind of immature at the point. So re- read some books. Mm-hmm. Talked to some folks that worked in corporations in those roles and um, really just kind of self-taught on a lot of the stuff, uh, especially the IT mm-hmm. was something that we really had to learn from scratch. Um, and, you know, I, I was 
ordering some uh, servers the other day. And I remember two o'clock in the morning pulling disk drives and trying to get them to work again because the pin was bent on the, you know, that's, that's how far we've come where now mm-hmm. I've got three people in IT that are dealing with it now. So um, it, it's come a long way. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, what's the competitive landscape of your business look like? Because we're, we're, so we really have three verticals and in each of those verticals, we both sell and support and then also offer consulting. So we have a very um, diverse uh, competitive landscape. We're lucky in that we're the only people that do all of that. So when things are up and down, we tend to kind of smooth it out. Mm-hmm. Um, consolidation is probably the biggest thing that's changing mm-hmm. in our competitive landscape right now. Um, PE firms, especially on the, so one of the things we do is 3D printing. Um, the uh, private equity firms have decided that they want to roll up advanced manufacturing, including 3D printing into one mm-hmm. thing. And so we're seeing a lot of people in that space get acquired um, and using that cash to um, underprice and buy business. You know, and they're kind of it's kind of a war going on right now in that wow. capability. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the on the sales side, the value added reseller side of engineering tools, we're seeing a massive roll up of that. So a lot of capital coming into the into the space, acquiring companies putting them together, uh, sharing resources and infrastructure, mm-hmm. and, and really uh, becoming, instead of being regional, becoming national um, organizations that uh, are, are much, much larger and much more, um, um, they, they have a lot more resources than you. So we, 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 what we do to deal with that is, one of my sayings from a marketing standpoint is, you need to cast, when you're a small business competing with folks like that, you got to cast a long shadow. Yeah. So we look a lot bigger than we are to the to our clients. Um, they're always a little surprised that we're all le- less than 100 people mm-hmm. because we pack a bigger punch than these mm-hmm. four or five, 600 uh, person companies that we compete against. Interesting. Has uh, have you been approached to be acquired? Uh, almost daily. <laughs> it's not in our it's I mean, there's there's never uh, we never say no because there's always that offer that makes mm-hmm. sense uh, and that mm-hmm. partner that makes sense. Right, right, right. Um and so it's we're always open to that, but um, you know we didn't start this company as a growth company. We started mm-hmm. as a we didn't know it was called a lifestyle company. And at some point, about four years in, somebody said, "You know what? You guys are a lifestyle company." And we went and we yeah, looked what's it up. That? Yeah, <laughs> we looked, oh, we are. We're not a growth yeah. company. We're a lifestyle company. Right. You know, one of our founding principles was we wanted to create a place. We didn't want to go to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we want to create a place where people want to go to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so if we are acquired, we have to keep that. We want to be acquired by somebody who's not. Yeah, good luck most with that. people <laughs> just want to grow and sell. That's right. Of course. Um, there are some folks in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 some of them are, comp- are competitors, right? And so maybe that's when, maybe that's the right offer for us. Like I said, we're, we're not seeking it. Yeah. They come no, to us. It. And um Right now, we're just we're just focused on creating a better company today, and uh, who knows what the future will be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's. Listen, I you know, I I everybody thinks I shouldn't say everybody. So often, people think you have to be a you know big growth company, and you know, there was something that I always said in my former business uh, that I was in for long, long, long time. You know, there's an ask for every seat. Yeah. Right. And, you know, because of that, there need to be lifestyle companies and growth companies because not everybody is willing to make the trade, the trade-off 
to go to a growth company. Yeah. So, you know, because of that, there needs to be, you know, different opportunities to choose from that are a better fit for you. Um, When we first talked, you talked a little bit about the challenges of growing a culture in a hybrid work environment. I'd like to spend a little time on that. Yeah, it's a big challenge right now. Um, in fact, we were talking about it last night. I was at a startup event last night and we were talking about it. Um, and 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 still no one's given me that golden bullet that uh, that can or silver bullet that can solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's here, right? Hybrid's mm-hmm. here. I've got mm-hmm. employees that couldn't wait to get back in the office. And yep. I've got employees that have said, if you make me come back in the office, I quit. I'm out. I'm done. Um, (laughs) And and then we got folks that want that, the majority want that flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. And and because we do manufacturing, because we have the 3D printing, and because we do product development, we have a lab, we have some workers that have to be in the the office. And we have some that don't, and we have some that it helps. And what I've noticed, so so we've adapted to that, right? We we had work from home before. This, it's really nothing new. It's just a bigger magnitude for us. Mm Uh, remote folks, um, you know, living in the, we actually had an employee for a while that lived in uh, the Netherlands, right? And that was kind of our biggest stretch and it worked quite well. Mm-hmm. But when you, when it's just a few, it works well. Now that it's maybe a third of our folks are mostly work from home, what I've noticed, and I just wrote an article about this for the Business Journal, is um, culture suffering. And mm-hmm. that's starting mm-hmm. to have an impact, that's right. right? Yep, we, we've got to work on it. We, yeah, that sense of belonging, right, mm-hmm. um, is easier to create when you're face to face. You know, those hallway conversations. Mm-hmm. We actually do have water coolers, and sometimes people do talk about water cooler, but it's more often the <laughs> coffee pot. Um, you know, those connections that happen because you're in the same room can be done in this virtual environment, but you have to work harder. Yes. And we're really trying to get our head around how do we um, pull those folks in that are remote? How do we spend, how do, how, how do I get them to feel connected? Um, and and some of the things that are working for us, but not as much as I'd like is, um, we pretty much have instituted across the company various kinds of stand-up meetings, so um, virtual. So like in my my consulting team, three days a week, Everybody gets drops everything, gets on a call for 30 minutes. And we mm-hmm. just go around the virtual room and what are you working on? And I would say half the time, like we were we were making fun of the fact that one of our employees has already put her Christmas decorations up, right? <laughs> there was no value add to that discussion, right? Right, right. Except we laughed, we bonded, mm-hmm. we expressed our opinions, we tease each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we sent some funny pictures in the chat. You know, that was far better than, you know, my supply chain problem on this one product. I can't get this mm-hmm. FPGA trip to, yeah. uh, chip. Do you know something I can get it from? That discussion needed to be had as well, mm-hmm. but more value was had from that, that interaction over Christmas. Right. So let me, let me make a distinction here to I, what you said, that, that there was no value add to that. I, I would disagree with that. Yeah. There's no there might not be a business value add. There's no technical but there's, but there project. Is, but, there's no but there project is a value human add. value add. There's a human value add. hundred percent. And we need to do more of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Got and it, it needs to be the other thing we've learned the hard way is it can't be forced. <laughs> right. Um and if you say we're gonna get together mm-hmm. and bond, especially with engineers, yeah, it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Um, but when you have your stand-up, which is supposed to be about projects and needs mm-hmm. and want and you know project mm-hmm. 
issues and it devolves into making fun of Christmas decorations. Right. Um, right. That's a huge value add. Yeah. Um, what would you say are the biggest challenges that you're facing uh, inside your organization? And, and do you think those are the same challenges that are happening throughout your industry? Yeah, there's really two. Uh, one is external, one is internal. Well, both are caused by external and, and internal. But mm-hmm. um, the the pressing one and the one that's new to us is turnover. So we uh, we had uh, an almost unbelievably low turnover. Uh, again, that was kind of our goal, right? Is mm-hmm. to create a place where people want to come to work. And if they right. didn't, if that's not what attracted them here, they didn't last very long, right? But there's a lot of good offers out there, um, especially for engineers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going down a little bit. Um, and and very long-term employees are like, you know, I never, I thought I would spend the rest of my career here, but this is an mm-hmm. offer I can't pass up. And, um, you know, those those people that are good employees, we let them know the door is always open and please come back if it doesn't work out. But um, good luck. And hopefully we work together. Um, and, and we have in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> in some cases they come back. Um, it's been a real challenge for us because now we have to now in a, in a very difficult when you, when you don't, when you're only hiring for growth and not for replacement, it's a lot easier when you're trying to grow and replace. Oh my gosh. Our HR manager has been a busy, busy person. Well, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we've really struggled with that. I think we're doing okay now. Um, again, that reputation, that marketing we do in, our space does help us because our reputation with mm-hmm. the folks we're trying to hire is there. Um, we've also, for the first time, used a recruiter, um, but we're using a very specialized recruiter. He mm-hmm. um, takes veterans that have just exited the military that are looking to get into sales or engineering mm-hmm. and helps them kind of re-enter the ecosystem, the civilian ecosystem, mm-hmm. a little bit of coaching, a little bit of training, mm-hmm. and and finds the right match. And it's been it's been a win-win. Good. Um, That's great. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a it's been a great uh, fit for us. Rather than most headhunters are just kind of, it's it's a body. It is a fungible asset. <laughs> well, <laughs> go back yeah, to and yeah. and that's a that's a whole separate conversation I can yeah. have with you, having been in in that business and were you in that business? Yeah, and right. having and, and having yeah. been, you know, what I would consider in the top two percent. It's you know how do you how do you separate the wheat from the chaff? And yes, part of it, part of the problem. That and I don't want to I don't want to um, hijack the conversation, but part of the problem is contingency working on contingency. Yeah. You know, if you're not if you're not willing to pay somebody and partner with them, why should they do anything mm-hmm. but throw bodies at you? Exactly. Right? Um and that isn't to say that all retained recruiters are great because that is clearly not the case. I could tell you stories. <laughs> but it's, you know, the challenge is, you know, how do we find the right partner that's going to be the right person to do things for us. So. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it's working for us with this one recruiter mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we're not paying a retainer, but he has a mission. Uh, his organization has a mission, right? Okay. And that that gets over that hump of we really need to find the right match. This mm-hmm. isn't just about getting that commission. Yeah. This is about finding a home from these people yeah. that have, uh, you know, uh, really done a lot for mm-hmm. for the rest of the country. Now it's now it's their turn, right? Um, and and it's it's worked well. So okay. the other challenge yep. we're facing is um, complete and total chaos and uncertainty in our market, right? Mm. Um, it's never, it, it's actually, I, I was going to say it's never been predictable. It hasn't. It, it, our, 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 
we're in a lot of industries, but they're all kind of the same. And, you know, economic upturn up uh, goes up and econo- economy goes down. You kind of predict what happens. Right now, we've we've never, we've been through many recessions. We've never been through an inflationary recession. We've never been through uh, a war, land war in Europe. I mean, yeah. and, and we have a lot of aerospace customers and defense customers, so that's really impactful. Um, we've never seen this level of... Um, cash that our customers have on hand hmm. but at the same time they don't know what's going to happen next as well and being at the bottom of the hill you know it, it all rolls downhill to us right um and so every day is unpredictable i can't tell you uh, a customer that we could fairly easily forecast is going to do a project with us is going to buy a piece of equipment from us is going to add more software to their 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 in, uh, engineers mm-hmm. can use totally unpredictable we, we could be two days away from a purchase order and then we've decided to not spend any money we actually had a customer say this in in july we've we've decided because our stock price is down we're not spending any money other than salary money um until uh, our our fiscal year starts again on november one all projects all new product development all software acquisitions all hardware acquisitions stop wow. so that we can get our stock price back up Ugh. And um, it didn't just, work. Of course, uh, it didn't work because you have to continue. Yeah, that's just yeah. fool. Whoever's yeah. leading that company is a fool. Anyway, you know? the yeah. good news is when November one came around, we got new POs. <laughs> right. They they put put some major projects on hold. Right. Yeah. And and, and I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. That unpredictability is just just crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Even in industries like. One big growth industry for us right now is commercial space. It's just it's 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 taking sure. off like a rocket. Yeah. Um, and uh, but because it's new, because it's the wild west, because it's going through consolidation right now, um, and 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 the the poor companies are getting separated out uh, from the herd. Mm. It's unpredictable, right? Yeah. Some of you're working with may close up their doors tomorrow, or they might get acquired by a, a Raytheon or a Lockheed. Um, in Boeing, you just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So mm-hmm. we got to be really flexible, really listen to our customers and, you know, be ready to adapt and find out, you know, they're, we're really focused on meeting the need, those needs. What, what are mm-hmm. the problems they need solved? Yeah. And those problems are changing as well. So pay attention to that, really focus, really be adaptable and have a bigger pipeline. So if the last thing the salespeople want to hear but we need a bigger pipeline because things are so unpredictable. Well, right. And, you know, uh, you know, as, as you started talking about the challenges you're having in turnover, right? You've got about 85 mm-hmm. employees now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how would you describe your talent strategy? You know, our, our talent strategy is um, finding people that want to, they have to be experts in their field, whether mm-hmm. it's in sales, admin, or engineering, right? Those mm-hmm. are kind of the three, or technicians, right? We got kind mm-hmm. of four kinds of class of employees. We got technicians, lab, mm-hmm. facilities, et cetera, uh, manufacturing. We've got engineers, we've got salespeople, and then we've got an incredible administrative staff. Um, I'll take that back. They don't have to be experts in this field. They got to be really smart. <laughs> and, and whether whether you're accounts payable or your uh, applied mathematician coming up with new algorithms for optimization, you got to be really smart to work in our world. And and that goes for our salespeople as well, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be an engineer to sell to engineers, right? but you got to be smart 
You yeah. know, you, you you may have a degree in in history, which some of our salespeople do, but they're really <laughs> sharp and they can listen and they can mm-hmm. understand maybe not the math behind what the customer's asking, but why it's important to the customer. Mm-hmm. And we've got plenty of engineers that can find the right technical fit for that. Um the, those you mentioned turnover. The those who are leaving are they literally just leaving for more money? Yeah, it's 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 a mix. It's a mix. Um, it's not as much financial um, as I thought it was going to be because there's That's some good. pretty significant offers out there. Yeah. Um, it's more the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and financial, right? So it's it's we've we had a couple that have young families where it's been financial. It's kind of like mm-hmm. I can't go home. You know, I've got a new baby. Yeah. My wife is working part time. I can get a 40, 50% bump in salary. I got to take this opportunity, right? Yeah. And, 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 and whether I like the job or not. But in mm. general, um, like one of our longtime technicians, um, he left because he had a chance to run a lab yeah. in a larger company, right? Yeah. And yes, it's more money, but it was more about the career advancement and opportunity mm-hmm. to do something new and different that was good. Yeah. And, and we lost some folks. Um, uh, I'll be honest, we lost some folks because we made some changes to the way we do business mm-hmm. and they didn't like it. Yeah. They kind of liked the way we were doing things for yeah. over 15, they'd been here 15 years. Mm-hmm. They kind of liked it. And we were going, we're not growing doing it this way. We got to make some changes. Right. Um, and we lost two or three people because of that too. Well, and, and that, that, you know, that's, that's, that's okay. okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, They're happier. We're happier. That's right. They're, you know, you, you should never have, you know, I always tell my clients that, you know, the goal is to get you to 90% success in your, in your hiring and Mm -hmm. less than 10% turnover, somewhere less than 10%. Yeah. Because, you know, some turnover is okay. You don't want it every six months, you know, if you hire somebody, but, you know, turnover is healthy. Right. Yes. Right. And, right. and it's just, you know, the kind of turnover and, you know, t- at your point, you know, the pipeline, right? The sales pipeline. Well, you also need to have a talent pipeline. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. You should bring that up. So pre-COVID, we, we always did. We always had, you know, three or four people we were kind of talking to if yeah. you're ready or we have an opportunity. Yeah, that, that, that pipeline got depleted really fast. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to build that back up again. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So where, where have things been heading in your space over the last, you know? few years. So things changing, you know, you mentioned we had to make some changes for the business. So that tells me there's something there. Yeah, it it is. Um, So we, we help people make products, right? And and the big change is uh, there's, there's two changes. Uh, One, one is more technical and that's that products are getting smarter. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything has electronics in it, everything has sensors in it, everything is going to be plugged into the internet at some point, right? Right. Um, and yeah. and that's that's been a, a huge driver for uh, our customers upscaling their engineering capabilities, right? So to, if, if you're making a, a hammer, i use this as an example, if you're making a hammer, you don't need a lot of engineering for that, right? It's right. really about marketing and, 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 well, now there's smart hammers, right? Hammers that measure the amount of force that oh is God. put on I a blow, no idea. And, yeah, and and tells tells the person whether wow. they're hitting the nail right and how many nails did this person put in right. It's wow. it's an extreme example, but it's true. Mm. Um, and so that company that's basically really a mar- marketing and manufacturing company now has to bring engineering to the table. Um, and even with the aerospace folks, like a satellite 
Um, well, now satellites have to move in orbit. Now satellites have to be refueled. Now satellites need to be smaller and, and cheaper and lighter. Uh, now they have to have new kinds of sensors. So um, even, even something as smart as a satellite is getting smarter. Yeah. Um, and, and everything in between. So that's been really good for us because that's what we're about is, mm-hmm. is bringing these advanced technology engineering tools and, and methods to the table to upscale the product and make the product better. Um, the other thing is China. Um, so we've spent most kind of started when we started the company with, uh, all of our customers that could moving manufacturing to China because of price, mm-hmm. no other reason. Um, and now they're going, oh crap, that makes us, and, and, and a subtext to that is just in time, which you probably hear about in the news, which is this idea that you don't keep an inventory that. Yep. If, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna sell which is, which is four thousand widgets, right. those four thousand widgets show up on your shipping dock the day before mm-hmm. you ship them to your retailers right. or your yeah. customers, right? And we've all seen the impact of just-in-time shipping in the last two and a half years, haven't we? Yeah, and that's great when that system is running good. Yeah, but boy, it's it it it's a house of cards, and yeah, and we saw it, right? We saw right. it. Um, interesting side note, nerd nerd fact here that was invented by Toyota. But the actual thing that Toyota invented did have inventory was not um, this bare bones, super optimized, because they realized hmm. that disruptions would happen. So one of the few automotive companies that eventually caught up with them because it caught up with everybody. But one of the few automotive companies that was shipping cars when everybody else wasn't was Toyota because they implemented just in time. Correct. So nerd fact for the day. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> interesting. Um, is there any outdated advice being disseminated around your industry? Yeah, I think I think people are people think that where we are today is not where we're going to be tomorrow, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, let's take China for example, right? So everybody goes to China. China's the place to go, right? And then everybody's like, we have to bring our manufacturing back to the U.S. and and that pendulum swing was way too much, right? And you got to look at it from what's your product, what's your pricing. Do you nearshore? Do you do final assembly here? Do you keep some of it in China? Do you mm-hmm. move it to Vietnam? You know, it's it's this overreaction of the pendulum swing. It's all or nothing. The black and white thinking um, that that we see, and and we see and we saw it with hiring. Right? Oh, we don't have enough people. Hire as many people as you can. Oh, uh, I was talking to a customer, uh, uh, a fellow board member of the tech council the other day, and his company did that. Right? They they the large company they mm-hmm. hired. I think he said they hired 20,000 people during COVID. Wow. Um, they're laying off mm. 15,000 people. Oh, man. Right. And it's That's just kind of, yeah, it hurts, right? It's just, it's just like, well, of course, you can just write it out. This is not permanent. Nothing's permanent. Things change. Let's see what happens. Mm. Then adjust, right? Yeah. And I, and I think that's that's the biggest thing we're seeing. And it's human nature, right? Yeah. Are, um, Eric, are they a publicly traded company? Yes, they are. Yeah, of course they lay off. They're laying off, you know, yeah. three quarters of their people because they need their stock price up, and yeah. it, you know, and that that is a whole separate conversation that makes me crazy that these publicly traded companies do. You know, I mean, listen, I've got equities, okay, just right. like so many of us do, but yes, but you know, <laughs> this is not the way to treat people. No. And, and, you know, I don't know, that's like I said, things we, have to be done differently. It, it's a great discussion to have, yeah. and, and especially if you look at the European companies versus the American mm-hmm. companies, right? Because, yeah. Um, yeah, they're publicly traded, but but their investors take a long-term 
uh, rather a than thing. a three month at a time term. Yeah. 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 When it's they real, talk about yeah. quarterly, Siemens is a great example. They have a, mm-hmm. they have a saying that we, we plan quarterly. And what they mean by quarterly is quarterly century century. They do 25 year plans. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Not three months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. If only everybody would do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's an important thing. And, and mm-hmm. I think that that's what's the, the product mm-hmm. is not the widget or the service. The product mm-hmm. is the stock price. Yeah. All right. How do you describe your culture, Eric? We've talked, kind of talked around it a little bit, but haven't really looked at it. What, one of the things we say to people when we hire, or we're hiring is, um, we take our jobs really seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot in that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, um, before we actually quit our jobs, <laughs> we created a philosophy that we've kept um, uh, throughout the the company, and I and, and we try to build our culture around it, which mm-hmm. is that you know we hire and nurture the best people, that we uh, take different disciplines and synergistically combine them. Mm-hmm. Um, that we, um, do everything with a sense of integrity. Um, and that really, um, that those three things are really, really important to our culture, right? Is, is working together in a synergistic way, mm-hmm. um, making sure that, that, uh, and the other one is that we learn our tools in, inside and out, which is, doesn't impact the culture directly, but right. it, because of what we do, it, it does have an impact. Um, and, and we're challenged in this hybrid environment to keep that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the the way when we were small, it was really easy to build a culture, right? Um, and the thing I learned over the years is we have to lead culture by example. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not living the culture, That's if right. we're not, we can't we can't dictate culture, right? Mm-mm. You people will work together synergistically. No, they have to see it through example. They have to see it by example, right? right? And we have to, of course, reward um, those that, that that reinforce the culture. And we have to not mm-hmm. necessarily punish, but um, adjust with the people who don't. Yeah. Where do you see yourself? I mean, we've, you know, we've talked about other companies cutting back. Where do you see yourself investing in resources over the next year as we move into further into a recession? Because of the chaos. I can't get too specific, so I, th- I think where we're going to invest is where we need to. Yeah. Um, one of the advantages that we have in our industry is that we use subcontract folks to supplement those peaks and valleys. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah. So we have our core team, mm-hmm. and then some of them are former employees. Um, we bring in contract and, and up and down, uh, or, for, or former customers as yeah. well that are now on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're continuing to do that. Um, we we need we have to constantly invest in new technologies. Um, because of the nature of what we do. Um, so in like the 3d printing world where every year we add a new technology to our suite of technologies, Mm -hmm. because we have to keep up in front. Um, and I think, I think we're going to invest, um, a little bit more in, um, expanding our offering outside of the core mechanical engineering. So like we added optics, capabilities so modeling optical systems um and designing optical systems we need to we have always outsourced electrical engineering here Mm -hmm. we want to bring more of that in-house both from a simulation standpoint from a 3d printing standpoint and from a design standpoint okay so you know looking at some of these other disciplines and instead of partnering 
bring some of that capability in-house. Uh, and and I think our customers are looking for more of a one-stop solution. Um, you know, the Easy Button campaign, was it Staples that did that? Yes. I, I have, I'm looking around because I have an Easy Button somewhere. That's, I, think, I think one of my salespeople <laughs> stole it from me because yeah. I kept on hitting it. Um, it. It is more and more our customers want an easy solution. They don't have the time to work with three vendors, right? They want one point of contact, right. one vendor. Makes life I want to buy from you. Mm-hmm. I want to get services from you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, I don't have time to deal with this other stuff. So I think that's where we're going to focus our investment in the future yeah. and through the recession um, and um, continue to, to show customers that we add value. So even when they're shrinking, um, maybe their revenue is going down, maybe their manpower is going down. How can we show the return on investment mm-hmm. on the products and services we offer so that they will actually double down on us rather than pull back? And right. human nature being what it is, some you can't get that message through, but some go, ah, you know what? If I spend $300,000 here, I can save $2 million on my bottom line or something mm-hmm. like that. Exactly. So what does your day-to-day look like as a leader? Yeah. So like I said, I have two partners, right? So mm-hmm. we play different roles. Um, and, and and mine tends to be um, um, listening to folks and empathizing and suggesting um, uh, almost counselor uh, role. So, so, so just to say, going to say that word. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, that I do the I do the normal stuff. Let's strategize. Let's yeah. deal with, you know, the, the list is fire. Let's go get a hose and put it out. Um, you know, here's our plan and here's how we want to execute it. And then following up on that and make calling people accountable to that, all those normal things. Mm-hmm. But beyond those, I think I, I just do a lot of, of, I just want to, I get a lot of, I get a lot of messages on Microsoft Teams. Can I run something by you and go to mm-hmm. a video chat and talk it out? Right. So if uh, for someone listening to this interview, who says, God, I really like what I'm hearing about this company. Um, I might be interested in investigating working for them. What should they do? Well, of course, go to our website, right? Um, I don't think that's going to go away for a long time. Maybe okay. maybe it'll be a uh, virtual reality site someday soon. Yeah. But right now, just go to our website. Which is? Um, which is www.padtinc.com. Padtinc.com, okay. Yep. And uh, poke around, go to our mm-hmm. careers page. Mm-hmm. You can see we've got a lot of openings in sales and engineering right now, and I think a couple admin positions. Um, good news is those are all growth. We filled all the empty holes, um, and we're, these are these are growth positions, and they're across the Southwest. Um, and, and even some of them could be outside of the Southwest, uh, especially the technical positions. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we're just looking for smart people that want to have fun and. And get joy out of making customer. I mean, it's it sounds trite, but it's true. They get joy out of making customers happy. Um, yeah. You know, you make a grouchy old engineer smile. It's worth a lot. <laughs> right, <laughs> Eric. Is there anything that I have neglected to ask you about today or talk about? I want to put a little bit of a plug in for the Arizona ecosystem here. Okay. Um, uh, we. I'm very active in that ecosystem. Uh, this is a, this is a, I moved here from the Bay area back in 86 because life is easy here, uh, back to that easy button. Um, and that hasn't changed as we've grown and progressed, but we've really starting, it's always been a kind of a high tech aerospace place and an electronics place, but now it's really growing into a lot of different industries. And 
Um, you know, if you're looking for a new start and a place to grow or move your company to, um, highly recommend you take a look at Arizona. Got a lot going on here. And um, we're, we're just trying to, we're getting to critical mass. Um, will we ever be the Bay Area or Boston? No, I don't think we want to be. Right. I don't even think we want to be Austin, although I'll take their barbecue. Um, we we want to be the right place for the right people right. Who, who are looking for something, kind of like my company, right? We want the right people mm-hmm. find their home here. Fantastic. Well, Eric Miller, co- co-owner and principal of PADT, thanks for spending time with me today. I appreciate it. I really love the questions, made me think about a couple of things, um, and I may steal a couple for an article. We'll see. No problemo. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.